0: with Dr. Frank Turek.
1: Welcome to the I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist bonus podcast. I'm with Michael Jones of Inspiring Philosophy. If you don't know about Inspiring Philosophy, you can just go check it out on YouTube. Got some great stuff up there. Mike has his uh, master's degree from the University of Arizona. Correct. And you live in Tucson, don't you? I do, yeah. Okay. We're here at ETS, the Evangelical Theological Society. And Mike has some great videos on many topics on YouTube. And I want to talk about one of them, Mike, that's been a perennial question. There are two big questions, I think, two big objections atheists bring up against Christianity. Well, more, but Mm -hmm. two of the biggest have to, one has to do with the problem of evil, and the other has to do with the problem of the so-called hiddenness of God. You know, why isn't God more obvious? Why do we need apologists at all? What, you know, what is this all about? Now, you put together a, a great video, I think, on this. First of all, why did you do that? And, and it was, was that an issue for you, or did you see atheists or, or non-believers bringing that up as an objection?
2: Yeah, I see atheists or non-believers bring it up, and so I wanted to do a video addressing it. Uh-huh. So I was doing a series where I was addressing objections from atheists, like problem of evil, uh, problem of an evil God, and I also did divine hiddenness when I did that.
1: Okay, so what what is the real reason, or what are some of the potential reasons that God isn't as obvious as we would like him to be. I mean, even Isaiah says, you're a God that hides yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, why Why is he hiding? What's What's the deal? Well, I mean, there's multiple ways we can uh-huh. look at this. It has
2: more to do with us, in my view. Uh-huh. Uh, this is also the view of philosophers like Paul Moser, okay. uh, who talk about how humanity is currently in our state that we Christians believe is sinful. Uh, if God were to make himself uh, just blatantly obvious, like show up in the sky, that's going to affect our process of sanctification, mm. of us coming to him lovingly. Mm. So Paul Moser sets up this thing. It's, uh, so what does God want? Okay, He is this all-power, all-powerful God uh, that could snap his fingers and take everything out of existence if he wanted to. Uh, and you're dealing with uh, uh, humanity, which is quite sinful, quite selfish. So Moser says, what does God want? Well, he wants us to love him for who he is. He wants us to truly follow him, mm-hmm. love him, not so that we could get something from him, but just because we would love him. And so he says, God would want cognitively robust theism, theism where uh, we follow God, we love him, and we truly want to get to know him more. And that's better than just basic theism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the way that uh, Moser sets this out, he says, the way that God would want to get us there is he would have to be a little bit hidden. Uh, reveal himself in slow steps so we get to learn him better. because if you know God shows up and every he sees it, for one, that could possibly, and for some people, create fear. People mm-hmm. are just going to worship him out of fear. Mm-hmm. I've even heard some atheists say that, you know, if eternal conscious torment is true, uh, they would worship God out of fear so they could avoid hell. Mm. Well, that's not really loving God. Mm-hmm. That's not really uh, following him and having a relationship with him, getting to know him. That's, that's, just, that's, that's just fire insurance. It's yeah. fire insurance, exactly. It's a selfish way to be in a relationship with God that's not what God is interested in. Mm-hmm. So we need to think about what it would be like because we are on a different ontological level than God. Mm-hmm. It's not like he can show up as just a regular guy. Now, when he did that in the New Testament, what happened? Well, they killed him.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> right, we killed him, yeah. So Here I am, yeah. you must die. God, where are you? Here I am, you must die. Exactly. <laughs> right, okay.
2: And even the Pharisees accused him of working with the devil. Mm-hmm. So God shows up, does miracles, uh, some people wanted to make him king, use him for selfish reasons. Some, Many wanted to kill him mm-hmm. because they were taking away his power. Mm-hmm. So when God would reveal himself to humanity, it always brought out some of the worst traits in humanity in the, the biblical text, as we can see. Mm-hmm. So we need to keep that in mind when we're thinking about the hiddenness of God.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's a good insight. And uh, I think maybe we ought to just back up a second and ask uh, ourselves, What is the real purpose of life? Is the purpose of life just to intellectually know that God exists? Well, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even the demons know that, mm-hmm. right? The purpose of life is to know God in a relational way. Uh, and as the scriptures say, to be conformed to the image of his son. So you had mentioned sanctification before. Uh, how are we best sanctified? How, do, how, how does God get his purposes done with free creatures? Mm-hmm. Uh, Is it to reveal himself in an overt way routinely, or is it the way he appears to be doing it now?
2: Right, and one thing to say about that is God is omniscient. Mm -hmm. He knows the best way, and he Mm -hmm. knows he can sanctify us without necessarily showing up in a room right Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. I I ask atheists occasionally, what would happen if Zeus appeared? Like for us like in this room, what if Zeus appeared right in this room right now? Right. We'd be like, oh, Zeus exists. Uh-huh. Anyway, we're not going to worship him. Uh-huh. We're not going to be like, oh, we love you. We totally are your followers now. That's mm-hmm. not how it works. Mm-hmm. Now you have the God of the Bible who is all knowing. He knows how to sanctify his creatures mm-hmm. in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. And he can definitely sanctify us without showing up physically or seeing us be- uh, being seen right before our eyes. Mm-hmm. So... Why does he need to do that? If he can sanctify those who will freely choose to love him without showing up in this life for everyone to see physically. Mm. So if God is omniscient. He knows what he's doing at the end of the day.
1: Now, I know some atheists have said that I'm not resistant to God Mm -hmm. and I'm seeking God. So why can't I find him? Non-resistant. Non-belief, I think, is the way they put it, right? Mike, is that right. fair to say? So, and and is this uh, the Schnellenberg argument, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. where he's trying to say, sure. yep. I can't remember what's his first name. Why am I? Why is it escaping me? Um, Schnellenberg's first name. Uh, I can't remember. I can't idea. remember. He's yeah. a philosopher who tries to say that the hiddenness of God is a problem, and if God truly loves us, uh, loves us. Easy for me to say, loves us. And he's he's he wants us to be in fellowship with him. Uh, why are there people who want to know him but don't know him? So, how would you respond to that? So,
2: my first response is to quote C.S. Lewis. He mm-hmm. says in his paper "Man or Rabbit": honest rejection of Christ, however wrong, shall be forgiven and healed. Now, we need to ask ourselves, without psychoanalyzing an individual. Mm-hmm. Do those type of people exist? And I am skeptical those people even exist. Mm -hmm. And this has been shown in psychological study after study. There's one, uh, the title of a study called Wishful Thinking, and they asked parents, two groups of parents, before they went into the study, one group of parents preferred daycare, Mm -hmm. one preferred home care. Then they gave each of these groups papers that confirm their beliefs. And then they gave them a paper that confirmed the other belief. Mm Everyone who preferred home care came up with excuses to dismiss the daycare paper and Mm. vice versa. Mm. There's another study that was done many decades ago called the robber's cave experiment where boys were taken uh, and they were on this campsite and they were sent to different tribes and they were having compete with one another. They were uh, asked to do this task of collecting beans on the ground. Uh, And they always, when they were shown the piles of beans at the end, they always would say, our pile is bigger, obviously unbeknownst to them they were not being shown the the beans they collected they were being shown an image of equal beans in both so they were shown two piles of equal beans but they both were uh, out of their desire to be the winner were picking theirs and saying nope there's clearly clearly more beans in our pile Mm -hmm. the truth is humans are not reason machines Mm. we are we we are all emotional Mm -hmm. we all have reason and emotion to go into our uh, beliefs so For someone to say like, you know, like if you just gave me the evidence, I would believe that's just not how humans work. Mm -hmm. And psychological study shows this over and over again. Mm -hmm. We select the data that we want uh, and we need to fight against that daily. That's just Mm -hmm. part of being what it is human. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you and I are Christian theists. The best we can do is present the data and say, here, we think there's plenty of evidence for God. Mm -hmm. This is what it is. But don't sit here and tell me that humans are reason machines, and there really are these non-resistant non-believers. I'm very skeptical based on my understanding of numerous psychological studies mm. that th- those people just don't exist,
1: unfortunately. Yeah, part of the problem when you, of course you say that, and you could be 100% right about that, is that it sounds like an insult to somebody, right? Mm-hmm. When someone says, look, I'm non-resistant, and you go, no, you are resistant. No, I'm not, you know, you are, so. <laughs> well, even,
2: yeah. in, even, even basic psychology would tell you that when you have stated a belief publicly, mm-hmm. and then it's attacked, mm-hmm. or someone says you're wrong, parts of your brain light up that like didn't the flight or fight response Mm -hmm. just over beliefs Mm -hmm. so even if you may have a desire somewhere in your in your mind that you do want god to exist you also have a desire to not be wrong Mm -hmm. and when you've publicly stated a position Mm -hmm. it's very hard for them to then get out of that you defend it you want to stay there and that's just the problem that all of us have i'm not saying it's just
1: uh, non believers. Right. Even believers have sure, this, sure. and we all need to wrestle with it. I suppose you could say to someone who says, I'm a non resistant non believer, but I want to believe, is really, how much research have you done? <laughs> how many books have you read? How many people have you spoken to? Uh, are you really on a relentless pursuit of truth? Because a lot of times um, I ask audiences I speak to, I ask them, I want you to think of somebody, and maybe we could just Those of you listening or watching right now, you can just think about this yourself. I want you to think of somebody you know who's not a Christian, whom you'd like to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. Friend, relative, somebody like that. And everyone gets somebody in their mind. And then I say... Uh, I want you to think about that person and answer this question. Is the person you're thinking of on a relentless pursuit of truth? They want to know if Christianity is true or are they apathetic or hostile to Christianity? Well, it's usually 100 to 0 or 99 to 1 people are apathetic or hostile. Mm-hmm. Very few people are on a relentless pursuit of truth. You know, they don't. They may say they are. That's mm-hmm. why when you ask them if Christianity were true, did you become a Christian? They may say yes, but they're not doing anything. Uh, their, their actions don't, their actions contradict what they're saying. Yeah. And um, even the
2: philosopher Thomas Nagel, who's an atheist, just mm-hmm. came right out of a minute. I don't want God to exist. Right, that's true. And that's, yeah. that's so honest of him. I have a high mm-hmm. amount of respect for yes, Thomas yes. Nagel. But he's just, he's saying it as it is. Mm-hmm. Desires go into our beliefs, whether we like it or not.
1: Now, how is it that motivation, to say that motivation... Uh, will show something right or wrong is a fallacy, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I could be motivated to believe God does exist, and I could still be right. Mm -hmm. And Richard Dawkins could be motivated to say God doesn't exist, and he still could be right, regardless of his motivation, correct? Correct,
2: Correct. absolutely.
1: So motivation won't necessarily tell you whether something's right or wrong, mm-hmm. but it might be an indicator as to whether or not a person is really open to a new idea or mm-hmm. to the evidence if you've provided it to them. Now, what kind of response have you got? And by the way, what is the name of the video? I've saw it months ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember the name on your Inspiring Philosophy YouTube channel. Is it just the hiddenness of God? Or? So if you go to my YouTube channel, Inspiring Philosophy, it's Divine Hiddenness A Christian Response. Divine Hiddenness A Christian Response. We can only touch scratch the surface here but if you want to see it i highly recommend you go there what else do you have up on that youtube channel so
0: i
2: got a video um, i'm really proud of i based it off a sermon by tim keller called does god send people to hell mm-hmm. and i go in and i argue how could a loving god send people to hell mm-hmm. i got a video on the problem of suffering mm-hmm. and i answer that i deal with animal suffering in that video as well and i also introduced something that I am working on called the law of triumph as an answer to the problem of suffering. Okay. So God imbues in the universe, this law of triumph that whenever a creature encounters evil, uh, it can be triumphed over and turned into a good for that creature. Mm. So I'm based it kind of a little bit off of, of Tolkien's ideas.
1: Okay. So it's a uh, kind of a theodicy that going through <laughs> this difficulty actually brings you to a, a better place. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about that Keller video. What, what, what's the essence of that one? So the essence of the video is to point out what hell is
2: mm-hmm. uh, from a biblical understanding. Um, hell is not this torture chamber mm-hmm. that you see in like a chick track of mm-hmm. God throwing people in and they're mm-hmm. crying and trying to get out. Hell is building your identity on anything but God. If you take mm-hmm. a good thing and you turn it into an ultimate thing, like career, money, mm-hmm. uh, a spouse, and mm-hmm. you make that your ultimate thing that will slowly disintegrate you. That idol will slowly destroy your soul from within. And so that in itself is hell. Mm-hmm. So Peter Kreff says, you know, the damned will always say they've been in hell or the saints will say they've always been in heaven. Mm-hmm. So heaven is accepting Christ. It's going to save you. He's the only infinite, the only true mm-hmm. thing that mm-hmm. could give us true purpose for eternity. Mm-hmm. Hell is any other identity you choose other than Christ. Okay. And so it's not that God sends people to hell. Uh, C.S. Lewis says, in every one of us, there is something growing up which will be hell Mm -hmm. unless it's nipped in the bud. Mm -hmm. So you look at fire, it slowly disintegrates something. Mm -hmm. That's what hell is. God doesn't have to send people to hell. Mm -hmm. We're sending ourselves to hell. And really, Christ is the rope that comes down from heaven and saying, you're destroying
1: yourselves. I'm here to get you out. Mm -hmm. What is the distinction, because you hear this all the time, uh, that atheists will say, I would never believe in somebody who would torture somebody for all eternity there is a distinction between torture and torment what is it in your view because the bible does talk about torment Mm -hmm. doesn't talk about torture to my knowledge it's never translated torture yeah that's a good question Mm -hmm. um i i would say that torment
2: in the sense of hell that i'm Mm -hmm. talking of is internal we're doing Mm -hmm. it to ourselves you can Mm -hmm. think of a drug addict Mm -hmm. uh so the drug addict you know you could see him slowly destroying himself No one's doing it to him. He's tormenting himself because he's addicted Mm -hmm. to the substance. And the only way to get out is to get real general help from someone. Mm -hmm. But they don't do that. Mm -hmm. And the Christian view is that is what we all do to ourselves in our own sin, Mm -hmm. with our own idols, and only Christ can get us over our
1: addictions. Mm. All right, good stuff. All right, that's Michael Jones, ladies and gentlemen. Great YouTube channel, inspiring philosophy. He's got a lot of interesting videos up there that can help you. So thanks for being on the show, Mike. I'm I'm always happy to be All right. Don't go anywhere. We're back in just a minute. Welcome back to the I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist bonus podcast. We're going to talk a little bit more about the two issues we talked with Michael Jones. We're going to talk a little bit more about hiddenness of God and also the concept of hell with Eric Hernandez, who is the apologetics lead for the uh, Texas Baptist Heat. Is here. He does a lot of apologetics conferences himself. He's here in Denver, so I wanted to get your perspective on this, Eric. How are you? Good,
0: good. Thank you for having me.
1: Let's talk a little bit about the hiddenness of God. Mike uh, gave us some insights there. Do you have another insight you want to give us regarding that topic?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, kind of from a Molinist perspective, yeah. if you will. It, in the sense of... so. Explain
1: explain Molinism just briefly to people so they know what you're you're talking about.
0: So so in a nutshell, it's essentially the idea that um, God not only knows what will happen, but what would have happened had a different set of circumstances occurred. So I have one brother and one sister, and God knows what my life would have been like had I had one less or one more sibling, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and God knows what that would have played out like. Where, Where do you find that in the Scripture? So, it's, it's a culmination of looking at the data. So, there are mm-hmm. some attributes of God that are underdetermined. So, you're not going to get a philosophical, metaphysical definition of, say, omniscience. Mm-hmm. But you get this idea that God knows all things, mm-hmm. all truths. And essentially, um, the way we would define omniscience is that God believes all true propositions. Mm-hmm. Now, propositions have different types of tenses. Uh, Eric loves Taco Bell. That's true or false. God mm-hmm. knows it. Tomorrow, Eric will eat Taco Bell. That's a future tense mm-hmm. proposition. God mm-hmm. knows if it's true or false. And then you have what are called counterfactual propositions. Mm-hmm. If Eric were presented with Taco Bell, he would eat it. Right now. That's tenseless. Right now, sure. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. and, and that's mm-hmm. tenseless. So God knows if that's true or false. Mm-hmm. So God not only knows, has foreknowledge, but has counterfactual knowledge of what would have occurred in different set seems of circumstances. seems like
1: he, he hints at that when, he, when Jesus talks about if Tyre and Sidon had repented, or, or if, if, if if the miracles were shown sure, in Tyre yeah. and Sidon, they would have repented long ago. Then, Sure, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. And, that and, kind of thing, And, right? and there,
0: there's even this interesting notion where he says the days were shortened mm-hmm. for the sake of, of this that and the mm-hmm. other. And so there seems to be this, this counterfactual knowledge, possibly there even middle knowledge of God having this uh, knowledge of what would have happened in a different set of circumstances. Okay, so how does this apply now to divine <coughs> hiddenness? Go ahead. Yeah, so so we have to ask ourselves, well, we, we do know God hides, as you talked mm-hmm. with Mike. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he does. The Bible says he does does, Mm -hmm. but why would he? Mm -hmm. Well, I think this can actually be a sign of God's grace and mercy to a Mm non-believer. And the idea is, Paul has this uh, notion that if it hadn't been for the law, had I not known about the law, I would not have sinned. Mm -hmm. So it seems to imply that the more knowledge you have, the more responsibility you incur upon yourselves. Because I would say knowledge brings about Mm -hmm. a responsibility to action, to respond to that knowledge and revelation Mm -hmm. you get. So, Within Molinism, there's this notion of what's called trans-world damnation, that it's, it's a possibility. I tend to lean towards this, that the people who will be lost in this world would have been lost in any other world God would have created them in. Mm. So given that they have free will and it's going to be their choice ultimately, well, you're going to have inevitably people that would be going to hell. And now God... I think it's his prerogative to still use those people. Take my former philosophy professor for an example. It's because of him I got into apologetics, and that's a whole other long story. And actually, he was my first public debate, and tongue-in-cheek, I went up to him afterwards and I said, I just really want to thank you for allowing God to use you the way he did in my life. And Even though he was an atheist. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Um, so God, it's God's prerogative to do this. Now, on top of that, if more knowledge incurs more responsibility— I think there are levels of punishment in hell, Mm -hmm. and without going to that, you see uh, Jesus talks about the weightier matters of the law. Mm -hmm. So not all sins are created equal, nor do all sins have an equal amount of punishment to Mm -hmm. them. So the idea is this, if God knows John is going to reject him no matter what, then he also knows that if he gives John more revelation... John is going to still reject that greater amount of revelation and hence incur greater condemnation in the Mm -hmm. afterlife. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it then becomes a sign of God's grace and mercy to hide himself from John to not incur further punishment in hell. Yeah, this is, I think, Luke 12, where Jesus is talking about people who
1: know about God, but some people know more than others, right? And he says, to whom much is given, much will be required. And he talks about beating uh, certain people with fewer blows and Mm. more blows because of the punishment they've incurred on themselves based on their knowledge. So that may be one reason. In fact, going back to the non-resistant, non-belief people, Uh, If those people do exist, and Mike was drawing some saying, probably not, but even if they do, it could be that God is not revealing himself to them, at least right now for right. a reason. Maybe if they stay atheists longer, they'll get more friends. I mean, I'm just speculating, sure. get more yeah. friends so that when they do become Christians, they'll have a bigger group of people to influence. Right. I mean, it could be, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah.
0: So so that's interesting, too, is because mm-hmm. um, uh, Morland has a great book on miracles, and, and one of my favorite chapters in there is on prayer. And he makes a really interesting point is that perhaps one reason God is not answering a particular prayer is because there's not enough people involved in that prayer. Mm-hmm. And the more people you get involved, the more glory he's going to get because the more people are aware of the situation that mm-hmm, needs this prayer. And mm-hmm. I think that would apply to what you just mm-hmm. said. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a friend of mine who's a non, not a believer right now says, and I asked him, what, you know, what would it take? And he says, I think you know, for God to just appear to me. And I said, well, let, let's pause and think about this. You're a very rational person. People know you as a rational person. What would your testimony be like if you say, oh, how did you become a Christian? Well, God showed up to me. What does that say to every other intellectual friend of yours? Mm-hmm. Well, I have an excuse. If he doesn't show up to me, then I don't right. need to believe. Mm-hmm. I said, but imagine if you came as the intellectual you are to believe in Christ on the basis of the evidence. Now, what kind of a testimony would you have? So I think that's one of those instances where let's say there are non-resistant unbelievers well, you're not dead yet. You're still breathing. That's right. Right? Um, and, and like you were just saying, you know, maybe God's waiting for, for the right time, so mm-hmm. to speak. You know, he, he's far more knowledgeable than mm-hmm. us, of course, obviously. But this whole idea that God knows the the person's eternal choice that he will eventually make and, and where he'll end up. But I go back to it, it amazes me that even though these people are rejecting God, spitting at his face, slapping him, if you will, he still says, and yet I love you, even in your rebellion mm. to to refrain from showing myself to you because I know it's just going to incur greater mm-hmm. condemnation mm-hmm. in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. And I love you enough to even keep that much from you. Mm-hmm.
1: Let's talk a little bit for a few minutes here about the concept of hell. We yeah. talked to Michael Jones about that. Uh, what, in your view, is the difference between torture and torment? Because torture is not mentioned in the Bible, but torment certainly yeah. is. What, what is that about?
0: Yeah, so so that's an interesting concept, and you know, kind of Mike was touching on that as well. But I, I've heard—I um, don't know if it was Lewis that said that hell's locked, you know, from the inside. Mm-hmm. And, and and Matt, take take this thought experiment. In that, um, and I think I've I've heard Moreland say this. Suppose hypothetically—I don't think this is the case—but suppose hell was like a prison sentence. You know, mm-hmm. if you did your time and you, you know on good behavior, you get let out. Mm-hmm. Well, it could be the case, as Mike was saying about torment. That if they keep doing them to themselves, then they'll never get out because they're just adding to their sentence. The more, th- the more they're being tormented, self-inflicted. The more they're shaking their fists at God, and the more time they're incurring also in hell as well. So yeah, I would I would definitely into what Mike was saying about that self-torment. It's this. It's almost not even this bitterness towards God. Mm-hmm. And then of course, what look at Adam and Eve. You know, what the woman that you gave me—it's her fault. There's going to be a, I could see that in hell happening where people are just continuing this self-infliction of, well, if you would have just done this, if you would have just done this, and of course, God knows that's not the case. Mm-hmm. That's why I think, going back to a monolith perspective, that when by the time you die, God has, in a sense, exhausted what he could do to get you to accept him. And by that time, you've made your choice. Mm-hmm. And, and in the afterlife, that choice is just going to continue. And that self-infliction, that torment, mm-hmm. that self-pain uh, is going to continue as well. It's one of the... Uh answers to the question uh,
1: how could we be punished for temporal sins Mm. in eternity well one of the reasons is you don't stop sinning in hell right Right. right. (laughs) you just you just keep building up the uh the punishment of course the other could be the fact that you're sinning against an eternal divine being right and that could be another aspect to it and of course You don't, um, your sentence isn't determined by the length of the time it took you to commit the crime, right? Right. You can kill somebody in two seconds, but you don't serve two seconds sentence, right? So there's a number of answers to that. But uh, where can people learn more about you, Eric, and uh, and follow you? Yeah,
0: yeah, you can uh, uh, go, just type my name in, Eric Hernandez, youtube.com slash Eric Hernandez. Uh, you can check out our Apologetics website where we put on our conferences, where we've had you come mm-hmm. speak, uh, texasapologetics.org, mm-hmm. and see what we're doing next.
1: Okay, excellent. Thanks for being on. Well, thank you for having me.